Turn with me to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy, the first chapter. We've been for a, a few weeks now on the subject of faith, one of my favorites. Anybody like faith besides me? Well, you know, you probably wouldn't come to this Faith Life Church if you didn't like something about it, about faith. But you know, God likes faith. In fact, uh, it's impossible to please Him in anything, anytime, any way without some of it. In 2 Timothy, the first chapter, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, Paul, the Spirit of God actually through Paul, writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. He said, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Say that out loud, why don't you? The unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in you also. He said this was in your grandmother, this was in your mother, and it's in you. What's in you? Faith. But he uses a qualifier. He uses a word to describe what kind of faith. What kind of faith did he say? Unfeigned faith. If there's an unfeigned faith, what else must there be? A feigned faith. Faith. If you look up the word feign, it basically means to pretend. To pretend. Is there a pretend faith? Actually, also another way of describing it and defining it would be like an actor. Play acting. Play faith. <laughs> acting faith. One translation says, unhypocritical faith. Well, if there's an unhypocritical faith, what kind else must there be? Must be a hypocritical faith. The New Living and the Century and New King James all said, I remember your genuine faith. If there's a genuine faith, what else must there be? Counterfeit. Something that some people think is faith, but it's not. It's like counterfeit money. From a distance, the unlearned Think it's money, but it's not money. And there's some things that people think is faith, but it's not faith. The uh, New Century and Basic and Easy to Read, they all say, I remember your true faith. And so that's the title of our, uh, our series in these weeks, True Faith. If there's true faith, what else must there be? Must be false faith or fake faith. And this fake faith is what has brought confusion and what has brought reproach. People have called things that they did faith and being in faith. And sometimes people have died. And sometimes uh, things have just, you know, been destroyed and people have gone under and, and financially have been devastated. And they call themselves doing something in faith. Well, and then some people that look on and say, see there, that faith stuff, that's not right. That don't work. That don't work for everybody. Well, faith in God, faith in the Word of God, can God fail? No. 
Can his word fail? Then how could faith in God fail? And how could faith in the word of God fail? Well, it wasn't that faith failed. It was that what they were calling was not real faith. It was not true faith. Second Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and the 5th verse, Second Corinthians 13, 5 in the NIV, says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Say it out loud, test yourself. The Good News translation says, Put yourselves to the test and judge yourselves to find out whether you are living in faith. Do we need to know whether we're living in faith or some kind of phony religious something or other? Do we need to know the difference? Oh, we do. The New Living Translation says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Genuine. We are to examine ourselves. We're to test ourselves. How do you do that? Well, that's what the series is about. We're going thing after thing, and uh, what we've been going to the Word and giving you are things that you can use to check up on yourself to see, is this really faith? Am I really in faith? Faith is a precious commodity. I said faith is precious. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures about that. Second Peter 1.1 1, 1 says that we've obtained like Precious faith. Precious faith. First Peter 1.7 says, The trial of your faith, faith being much more precious than of gold, than perishes. What's more important? What's more valuable? What's more precious? Faith or money? Faith, faith or gold? Faith. Well, you know, a lot of people don't really think so. They'd rather have money. They think they would. But if you've got faith, you can get money. If you got faith, you can get things money can't buy. Faith is precious, precious, and faith is rare. Now, I know sometimes people don't like to hear that because they have, uh, in our circles, we've quoted a lot, God has given to every man the measure of faith. And that's been taught on, that's been emphasized, and I think sometimes people have got the impression that means everybody's got faith. But that's not true. Listen to this scripture, Luke 18.8. Luke 18.8 says, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Why would he say that if everybody's just full of faith? Now, when he comes, is he going to find faith? And 2 Thessalonians 3.2 states what we're inferring already. 2 Thessalonians 3.2, the NIV says, For not everyone has faith. Say that out loud. Not everyone, not everyone has, faith. has faith. Is that true or not? Yes. It's true. Now, here's the thing. Everybody has the ability to believe. Everybody, anybody, everybody can believe, but not everybody does, and not everybody has faith. And so faith is precious. We don't want to be assuming when it comes to faith. 
I think sometimes, especially in so-called word and faith circles, people like to assume everybody comes in, everybody's full of faith. We wish. (laughs) But the truth is, there's just a whole lot of unbelief, a whole lot of doubt around. And then there's a lot of stuff that people are calling faith, but it's not. Still the doubt is there. And that is the thing that's holding back. And the thing that's hindering from things being done. Miracles transpiring. How many believe faith is precious? Hmm? Is it precious? How many believe uh, that you have faith in you and you can believe? Are you interested in your faith growing? And not some kind of phony religious something. Real faith. Real faith. True faith. And will this faith please God? Is this faith more precious than gold? Will this faith overcome the whole world? Anything that's in it against you. And enable you to receive every blessing. It's absolutely the truth. Well, uh, go with me if you would to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Do you think he's talking about them having real faith? True faith? And and how did they operate in this true faith? We believe, and therefore we speak. As it is written, I've believed, therefore. Say it out loud. I believe, believe, therefore. therefore. So, so what? I speak. speak. What we're talking about this morning is true faith, real faith, speaks. Now something you can see along the fake faith. Talks about it. Talks around it. Real faith talks to it. Fake faith. Talks around it. About it. Real faith speaks to it. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. I believed Therefore, I've spoken. We've got that same spirit. We've got that same spirit of real faith, true faith. So we have believed, and what else? So we speak. We believe and we speak. Go to Romans 10, please. Romans 10. Now, when you get to talking about this, this is one of the areas that folks like us have been criticized and made fun of. That confession bunch. (laughs) That name it and claim it. Confess it and possess it. Blab it and grab it. (laughs) Well, I think that's better than shut up and do without it. Don't you? What do you think? (laughs) Which one you want to believe? (laughs) Be quiet and do without. But P. 
People find it strange. You know, we've had more than one time people came in here in the beginning or when they were first new or when they were just visiting. And uh, they just found it so strange that we confess so much. That we stand up and we say this. And, and I say, say this. And y'all say it. And we stand up and we say, we're getting our buildings. We're getting our lands. We call our bills paid for. We call our debts reduced and paid off. And we just, I mean, we're just doing it all the time. And some people think this is very strange. Because they were in church for 30 years and never said anything. But it should not be strange to us. It's how Jesus lived and operated. And it's how we come into the kingdom of God. It's how we get saved. Did you find Romans? Romans 10 and 8. It says, but what saith it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Which we preach. Where's the faith? In your mouth and in your heart. Verse 9. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Second time he says, in your mouth, in your heart. In your mouth, in your heart. Verse 10. For with the heart, here he says it the third time. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. How does it work? You believe in your heart. You say with your mouth. Do we say it three times in these three verses? Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. Real faith speaks. Real faith Consists of believing something in your heart and speaking it out with your mouth. Isn't it how we got born again? Isn't it how everybody, I don't care what denomination is over your door. Isn't it how everybody gets born again? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Is it okay to not confess? What do people say, well... I'm just embarrassed and I don't care to confess. I don't want to confess the Lord. I'll just come and be okay. You say, well, you refuse to confess that Jesus is Lord of your life? No, I don't want to. Are they okay? No. No, they're not okay. Jesus said more than once. He said, if you deny me before men, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll deny you before the Father. I'll be ashamed of you. But if you will confess me, somebody say confess, confess. If you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. How many think it's going to be a very important thing to have him stand up and claim you and confess you in time to come? Are you going to want him to stand up and say, I know them. They're mine. And call you by name. How many are going to want to hear your name out of Jesus' mouth in front of the Father and say, they're mine. He said, I'm going to be able to do that because you stood up on the earth. You stood up in front of people at the church house and at the job and at home and at school and don't care who saw it and knew it and said, Jesus is my Lord. 
I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead and he's my Lord. You confess it with your mouth. That's how you get born again. That's how you get into the faith life. And we, somewhere or another, the, the enemy has confused people and think that's the end, but it was the beginning. And the same way that you got born again is the way you get healed, is the way you get your bills paid, is the way you get out of trouble, it's the way you live. We don't just get born again by faith, the just shall live by faith and walk by faith. And if you got the same spirit of faith that all the patriarchs had and that they had, you're going to operate just like them. They believed. So they spoke. We believe, so we speak. You believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth. How many believe this in here today? Go with me to Mark 11. Mark the 11th chapter. While you're going there, let me just remind you that Jesus is called the apostle and high priest of our confession. Of our what? Confession. confession. Hebrews 3.1 says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4.4 4 says, Seeing we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession, our confession. Let us hold fast. Why does it say he's the high priest? So hold fast to your confession. That's what he works with in our life. It's what we say based on what we believe. Mark 11. Do you have any scriptures marked here? In Mark 11? Surely in this faith church. We got folks that got Mark 11 marked. If not, I'm going to have to do some more preaching on it. If you look back in verse 12, they were come from Bethany. Jesus was hungry. He saw a fig tree, afar off having leaves. He came, if happily, he might find anything on it. Somebody said, didn't he already know if anything was on that tree or not? What I'm going to say might startle you. Not necessarily. He wasn't operating in omniscience. So I said, yeah, but, you know, there are times it says he knew their hearts. Yeah, the same way you might know some things, by word of knowledge. But how many understand, if he knew there was nothing on there, why go over there and check it out? (laughs) Why bother with it? He came if happily. Happily means perhaps. You might find something. And he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And he's still hungry and no figs. Some uh, scholars tell us that that particular tree in that particular place at that time, if it had leaves, it should have had some kind of a fig. If it was nothing but a little green fig, it should have had something. And the fact that it had nothing means it's a lion fig tree. <laughs> it was testifying of fruit, and it had none. Somebody say, lion fig tree. And Jesus said, no man <laughs> eat fruit of you. In other words, you ain't going to fool anybody else again. After today, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And he said it out loud because his disciples heard him say it. Now this confession, this faith release, is it supposed to be audible out loud that you speak with your mouth? That's what Jesus did. 
And so he went in and dealt with the money changers in that situation. In verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now apparently when Jesus spoke to this, if you'd have been standing right there beside him, you would have seen no change in the fig tree. There was no shaking of the tree. There was no thunder. There was no lightning. There was nothing that you could see. He spoke to it and they all walked away. But you see, some 24 hours later, they're coming back through there, back by the tree. Verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up. And the Bible tells us it happened how? From the roots. If you were standing there looking at that tree when he spoke to it, you would have seen no change. As far as you could have told, nothing happened. And yet it did. I said, and yet it did. Something happened under the ground where you can't see. And in a matter of time, it showed up above the ground where you could see. Anybody excited about this besides me? Jesus spoke to it and something immediately began happening underground where you couldn't see. And then it was just a matter of time till it showed up where you could see. Do you suppose this will work for us? Why is it in the Bible? Why is he talking to us about it? And so Jesus said, Peter called to remembrance. He said, Lord, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said to him, have faith in God. What's the understood subject here? You. Is he telling them you have faith in God? Is he telling them I did this by faith? And is he telling them, you have faith too? Hold your place here, go to Matthew. Matthew says it specifically, Matthew 21. Because a whole lot of folks read this and they say, well now, preacher, that's Jesus. (laughs) You've got to remember, that's Jesus. And he can do those kind of things because he's the son of God. And of course the implication is, and you ain't. And never will be. So why would you imagine you could speak to something and it would change? Well, it's because of things that Jesus said about it. Like right here in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 20. When the disciples saw it, how the tree had withered away, they marveled. And they said, how soon is the fig tree withered away? It was obvious it wasn't just something natural, something supernatural had happened here. And Jesus answered and said to them, now I want you to mark everywhere in this verse now that it says you. You. Verse 21, Jesus answered and said to them, verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. We might say, for you. (laughs) It's going to be done for you. If you would say to the tree, if you would have faith and doubt not, You will not only do this which is done to the fig tree. Is he telling them they could have done that? Hmm? 
If, as some theologians try to leave the impression or just teach or come out and say, this would have been the perfect place for him to set them straight. Yes, sir. When they said, wow, you spoke to that thing and it just did what you said. <laughs> if, at what, the way some people teach it and preach it, he should have taken that opportunity to caution them and said, now, boys, I'm the son of God and I can do that. But don't you try this at home. Because you're not. <laughs> and if you need something spoken to, you're going to need to talk to me about it. And come get me to see if, you know, I'll do it for you. That's not what he said. I said it's not what he said. What did he say? He said if you had faith, you could not only do what I just did. I spoke to this tree. But you could speak to this mountain. Well, that's bigger than a tree. Is he telling them they could do something even bigger than what he just did? Is he telling them that? So most folk don't dare believe what Jesus said. How about people in here today? Will you dare believe what Jesus said that you could do what he did here and even something bigger? Would you dare believe it? He said if you'd say it and not doubt but believe that what you said had come to pass, you'd have what you said. Go back to verse 23, Mark 11, 23. Let's read it. Let's make sure we understand it. Don't assume you already know this. There are things in here that we've not seen yet. Mark 11, 23. This is the new living. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now that's the part where even so-called faith people miss it. He didn't just say if you said it, it would happen. I got to go over that slow now. He didn't just say if you say it, it'll happen. Did he? He used very specific qualifying statements. Let me read it again. The Dewey translation says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not stagger in his heart. The reason that word staggers there is because the word translated doubt here is the same word translated waver in places like James or Romans. Waver. So what's he telling you you can't do? You can't doubt, you can't stagger, you can't waver. What is wavering? Back and forth between. What does that mean? You say, mountain, get out of here. That's not enough for it to happen. You got to believe in your heart that what you said happens. What would wavering be? Is it going to happen? Maybe it is. Maybe it ain't. I don't know. Y'all check. Look. What do you think? <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Let me, let's me let keep reading. Amplified. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. Can you take Jesus at his word? He said it would be done. 
if you do this. If we do what? Two things. Hmm? Set with our mouth, but not just set with our mouth. Believe in your Don't doubt. I mean, he was very specific, wasn't he? Don't doubt. Don't waver about it. Don't stagger about it. But believe that what you said happens. If you'll do that, you will have what you say. Now, this is an area where people have gotten off and gotten into this fake faith. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, was teaching along these lines many years ago. He'd tell the story about it. And he's down in West Texas and the oil fields booming in those days. And he said a fellow came up to after him teaching on these things kind of sarcastically. said, well, now you said we could have anything we said. And he said, what if I say... I'm going to have 10 million oil wells. Brother Hagin said, well, Jesus said, if you said it and didn't doubt but believe it, you'd have what you said. He said, but you don't believe that, so go sit down. (laughs) And a lot of people have just said a bunch of stuff. And just implied that we're teaching and Jesus said if you'd say it, it would happen. He never said that. He said saying was a part of it. But it's not just empty and vain words. You say it and you believe that what you say happens. And you don't doubt. You don't doubt it. You don't waver on it. You don't stagger on it. But now you don't become fully persuaded and unwavering just by wishing you were that way. You know, when you speak to something, whether you're going to be strong and believe it is happening or whether you're vacillating is dependent on what you've been hearing. And not just what you heard for the last half a day. Your faith in your heart is the result of what you have heard all this year already. And what you have heard prior to this. And that's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Why? Because it's going to determine whether you really believe what you say or whether you're wavering and vacillating. How many understand if you're trying to speak against a situation in your body, it's not going to work if you're hearing about the problem night and day. And you're hearing about how it's getting worse and how it can't be fixed and how it's incurable and how this and how that. You cannot hear that night and day and speak to it to change and really expect it to change. You can talk and say a bunch of stuff, but you're not believing it. You're wavering. You're vacillating. You, that's why we're having healing school. Right? So you can get in there every day and somebody's not going, they're not telling you, they're not doctors, they're not uh, pharmacists, they don't know about medicine and doctors, but they do know about the Word. And they're going to tell you about healing and healing and healing and healing. And how does faith come? It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you hear that enough, you'll get to where when you speak to it, you actually expect it to happen. Oh, can you see it? So not all confession is a confession of faith. Let me mention three to you. There is that which is a confession of convenience. (laughs) What do you mean? 
Well, especially coming to this church, everybody's saying it. <laughs> We're all standing up saying it, so you just stand up and say it. And you don't believe it at all. And you don't expect it to come to pass. But you don't want to be odd man out. <laughs> so you say it. Will you have it just because you say it? No. no. Jesus never said that. He said, if you won't doubt in your heart, if you'll believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. And so sometimes, you know, I've had people around me before and uh, they knew I expected them to say certain things. I'm saying certain things. And so to avoid me preaching at them, they just say it. It's convenient. Let's get it over with. Let's get out, you know, just just keep going down the road. Just say it. Well, confessions of convenience are not going to change anything. And there are also confessions of convincing. You're saying it, but you're not persuaded. You're saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. And then you go, did it change? (laughs) Is it going to? I don't know. You think so? Let's say it again. Say it again. Well, that's not a confession of faith. You're trying to convince yourself. Now, that's not entirely wrong because faith comes by hearing. And when you're saying it, you're hearing it. And there may be times in this church that we've stood up and said things. We said it every service, every service, every service. And for six months, you might not have believed it. But you kept saying it until you got to where you started expecting it to come to pass. Actually begin to believe it in your heart. But prior to that, for the first half year, or for the first year and a half, it was not a confession of faith. It was a confession of convenience, and then it was a confession of convincing. But it could become a confession of confidence. You can get to the place where you're not just a talking. You really expect it to come to pass. You really believe it. You're persuaded of it in your heart. How many know around this church here, for years now, we've had projects that the Lord has led us in, and we stood up and we said things and we said things. We call every seat paid in full. Hmm? We call, did it happen? Did the Lord bring it to pass? Project after project after project, has it all come to pass? Yes. What about what we're doing right now? You can see it coming to pass. What about in your life? Does the principle work exactly the same, whether it's for a person or a marriage or a family or finances or with your body or with the church? Is it true what Jesus said? If you'll say it and if you'll not doubt in your heart but believe that what you said comes to pass, Jesus said, you will have what you say. Glory to God. This is so powerful. This is how God created the universe. Hebrews 11 tells us we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God. He spoke it and it came into being. Glory to God. And we're His children made in His likeness and image. We're told be imitators of God as dear children. Now, we're not creating planets this afternoon, but we need to be creating something. Right? We need to be speaking to something. Maybe it's a little small level compared to where he's operating on. Of course, he's been at this a lot longer than us, too. 
But I can see how this is not going to stop with this life. This is going to continue on. It's going to go on and on and on. And who knows, in the eons to come, we may get to operating on some of those levels. It's very exciting. But uh, for right now, how about speaking some money to come in to pay your bills? How about speaking to that old body of yours and getting it straightened up? Huh? How about speaking to some things? And not just the talking, but actually believe. Actually believe. Somebody say glory to God. Go to 1 Samuel 17. I'd like to give you a few examples of this. And I think you'll get stirred up. I think you'll get excited. Even more so. I'm excited. I'm more excited about Mark 11, 23 and 24. Than 30 years ago when I heard it. Every good thing in our life. Is attached to this. Every blessing. Every miracle. Every good thing. It's such a powerful thing. And the enemy knows it. Is he has fought so hard. To keep the church in the dark about this. He doesn't want people finding out about this. But he does want them using it against their self. Hmm. He doesn't want you saying, I'll have more money than I need. But he does want you saying, we're not going to make it. Because he knows the principle works just as effectively against you as it does for you. And the whole world is operating in it negatively. We're not going to make it. We won't know what to do. We're not going to have enough. If you say we're not going to have enough... And you don't doubt that, but believe in your heart that you're not going to have enough, what will happen? You will have what you say. It's a law that your fears will come on you. You get to just, you know, I, I know a fellow I was ministering to one time, oh, this was decades ago in healing school. And he was wanting me to talk to him about some things, and I took some time, and he said, uh, I know I have cancer. And I said, well, God's bigger than cancer. I said, uh, we got to talking about it, and I realized he didn't really know that he had cancer. And so I said, how do you know? He said, well, I've been to so-and-so doctor, and -and so-and-so doctor. I said, what'd they say? He said, they said, you're clear you don't have cancer. He said, but I know I do. I said, how do you know you do? He said, I just know it. And he went on to tell me, he had actually been to four or five doctors. And had all kind of battery of tests run. And every one of them told him, no, you're clear. You don't have cancer. He said, yeah, but I know I do. I said, no, you don't know you do. You believe you do. All the tests say you don't. So it can't be that. You believe you do. And I said, listen to me. If you don't quit looking for it, you're going to find it. Seek and you shall find. Works just as effectively on bad things. People haven't understood that. Yeah, but I know I do. No, you're believing for it. And you're saying it. And you're decreeing it. But bad things people don't notice. Because the whole world is flowing in the negative on this. They're saying stuff all the time they got no proof for. They're just believing it and saying it. But if it's negative, it doesn't stand out in the world. But you'll stand up and say something good. Everybody goes, oh, what are they saying that for? You want to stand up and say, I'm healed. Stand up and say, all my bills are paid. Then uh, people start going, oh, who do they think they are? 
They're doing the same thing on negative stuff. <laughs> Where did I have you to turn? First Samuel 17. I'd like to give you, as time permits, three examples of this. And man, we could stay on this for a week, but... This has always been this way. The spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith that the patriarchs had, that the prophets had, that Jesus operated in, that people in the book of Acts. But there was a young man years ago that did this, and he's famous today because of it. His name is David. (laughs) And at the time, he's just a young teenager. He's out keeping his daddy's sheep. And his brothers are all, they're important, they're in the military, they're off on the campaign. He had to stay back with the smelly sheep. But his daddy knew he wanted to, you know, get out of there and see what was going on. So he sent him with a package, care package, to his brothers. And he got there, and something had been going on. A great big guy called Goliath. Massive, giant, massive a man who was a warrior from his earliest memory, from his youth, and was just a killing machine, was daring the Israeli soldiers. Anybody man enough to fight me? (laughs) Do you mean y'all don't have a man in the whole army man enough to fight me? And he blasphemed God, and he called their mother names. And he made fun of their prophets and their king. And he spit on and cussed and dared them. And he did it for 40 days, twice a day. Morning and night, he'd come out there and rail and say, You bunch of lily-livered chickens. And a lot worse, you know, Philistine cussing. He said, there ain't a man in the bunch. Eight, somebody said 80 times. 80 times. And they said nothing. Oh, man. They said nothing. Yeah. Nobody moved. Because he's big. And David, the little teenage boy, comes out there and he gets there, happens to get there just in time. For this second show of Goliath cussing God and hollering about, can't nobody take me. There ain't a man among you. And David said, what? 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 Why hasn't somebody already shut this uncircumcised Philistine up? And they begin to say, hey, you know, whoever kills him, man, he is tax-free. Him and his whole family from now on. And he gets to marry the king's daughter. He said, say what? (laughs) No more taxes? Marry the king's daughter? She's pretty. He said, tell me again what happens. And they're telling, and his brothers overheard it. Made him mad. Now, faith makes unbelief mad. Because it shows it up. Because they've been there 40 days. They've been dared 80 times. And none of them had enough faith to say boo. Nothing. 
And he shows up, and even though he's young, and even though he's little, and even though he's not developed, and he don't have the experience, he's been out there with God. I said, he's been out there with God. Faith comes by hearing. He's been a singing to God and talking to God and God's been a talking to him and he's already had some experience in this. He needed to have faith to face a bear and he had it. He needed to have faith to face a lion and he had it. But look how it worked. The word got around. His brothers made fun of him. Tried to belittle him. But Saul was so impressed he had him come to his tent. Ain't nobody had the courage to say anything yet. And here this young man is talking. Somebody said talking. 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 He's talking. Verse 29. And David said. Somebody say he said. Remember what kind of spirit of faith did they all have? They believed. Therefore they spoke. We believe. So did David believe? How do we know? He, he said, what have I done? Isn't there a cause? Verse 32. And David said, read it out loud. And David said, he said to Saul, don't let any man's heart fail because of him. I will go and fight with this Philistine. He said, you ain't able to go against him. You're just a young thing. He's a man of war. And verse 34. And David said... He said, yeah, I was keeping the sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and he took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him. I smote that rascal and delivered that lamb out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by the beard. Come on, you got to see this. He is grabbing this lion by the face hair. This is one-to-one with the lion. And he's just a boy. How many understand, in the natural, this is not a fair match? In the natural, lions kill and eat little boys like him. But there is something stronger than a lion. There's something stronger than a bear. There's something stronger than the biggest, meanest man on the planet. It is the faith of God. And if you believe it, it'll come up in you and it'll make you talk. If it's in you strong enough, how many know out of the abundance of the heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, it comes out your mouth. How many understand? This ain't no confession of convenience. It would be convenient to shut up and not cause a rift. Everybody else is shutting up. This ain't no confession of convincing. He ain't trying to talk himself into this. He just is convinced. He's already seen what God would do with a bear, with a lion, and he thinks this thing ain't no different. And that's how you get after you get some faith victories under your belt. After you get one and two and three and four and five, you get to where nothing looks very big to you. You just think, hey, hey, God brought that in. He'll bring this in. Hey, God healed me of this. He'll heal me of that. And if you believe it's strong enough, it comes out your mouth. And David said, verse 29, verse 32, and David said, verse 34, and David said, verse 36, he said, your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. Has he got faith? How can you tell? It's coming. He's saying it. He's saying it. 
Now we could zip forward to Mark 11, and according to Jesus, what do we know David's going to get? He is going to get what he is saying. Why? Because he believes it. He's convinced of this. He's not hoping it's true. He ain't wavering about this. Verse 37. Read it out loud. David said, moreover. I mean, he's got stirred up now. He He said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. Y'all pray for me. Because he is the big boy. And if I die, I'll just die in the service of the Lord. And I am just going to put myself in the Lord's hands. And if I die, I die. Then he'd have died. Now see, what a lot of people think is humility. It's just unbelief. Well, if I die, I die. And if I don't, and it's just up to the Lord, whatever. No, no, I'm sorry, but no. That is not what the Bible says. You don't see any if it be thy wills. Because if you don't know what his will is, you ain't got no business being out there. You better go back home to the sheep. You about to get massacred with the if it be thy will. That's some of that fake faith. That's some of that false humility. Some of that religious junk. Know if it be thy wills. Know whatever the Lord decides. Mm -mm. He said, come on, read it with me. Verse 37. What did he say? He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. What if it ain't the Lord's will? He's not even considering that. If you're thinking that way, you're wavering. Faith begins where the will of God is known. How are you going to find out the will of God? It comes by hearing. When you hear from God, you get the will of God. You get it straight. You get it settled. And then you quit asking, is it the will of God? Because you got it. He had already found out it was the will of God to deliver you from big hairy stuff. That was trying to hurt you and your people. And whether it was a big hairy lion or a big hairy bear or a big hairy Goliath. Same thing. No difference. It's the will of God to kill it and get it out your way. Huh? And so he ain't talking about no, if it be thy will, whatever the Lord will. No, no. He said he did it before and he did it again. And he will deliver me out of the hand of this guy. He'll do it. He believed it, so he said it. Mm-mm-mm. He, he was so persuaded, he convinced everybody there. He convinced Saul, he convinced everybody there. They said, that boy's got something. <laughs> Let him go. He got something none of us got. He ain't a soldier. He's a little shepherd boy. They got all these great big soldiers and all this armor and all these captains and all these artillery guys and all these cavalry guys and none of them done a thing. None of them said anything in 40 days. That's right. 
And he got up there, and what came out his mouth shook them so, they said, give that boy a sword. Saul said, he can have mine. (laughs) He can have all my stuff. How many said they must have heard something in his tone? They heard something. Why? It's coming out of faith in his heart. He believes this. And it inspired the whole bunch. This ain't just empty talk. You know the story. They put all that stuff on him and he said, I can't go with this stuff. I don't know what to. Here, take this back. Give me my slingshot back. I don't know about all this. I improved it. I know this. I put the hurt on that bear with this. <laughs> I put that line on the move with this. I know about this. So they put him out there. Here's this giant with his huge spear, with his huge sword. And here he is with his little slingshot. Little boy. How many would like to have seen that? Be standing on the side. I mean, you know, it, it has become a phrase, David and Goliath describes every incidence where it's a can't win and a had to win and it didn't. Little bitty and great big and little bitty whooped great big. David and Goliath. When the Philistine saw him, verse 42, he said, you got to be kidding me. He disdained him. He said, you sent a kid with a stick? You got to be joking. (laughs) Yeah, he said, am I a dog? You sent a kid out here with a stick? Like you drive a dog away? And he cursed him. Oh, he was good at cussing. He'd been practicing for 40 days. Man, he could cuss you. He was a cussing, big, ugly, mean machine. He said, well, all right, I'll just didn't kill you or somebody else. Come on. I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now, he's saying something, too. I said, he's saying something, too. You reckon he believes what he says? Yeah, he believes he can kill him. But it's based on faith in what? Faith in his 400 pounds. Faith in his previous killing experience. Faith in him. When people are trying to release faith in themselves, that only goes so far. But there's a faith that supersedes everything. Is David, is his faith in himself to whoop this giant of a man? No, no. When he said that, come on, I'll kill you. Then verse 45, read it out loud. Then what? Then said David, verse 29, David said. Verse 32, David said. Verse 34, David said. Verse 37, David said, moreover. And then verse 45, then said David. Does real faith speak, does it say? He said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. That's what your faith is in. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, if it's the Lord's will. (laughs) Y'all pray. Do you see, man, he's bigger. He's bigger out here than he was when I got, you get up close. Man, pray. Oh God, did I do the right thing? 
That's how you die. It's not just saying. What did Jesus say? Don't doubt in your heart. But believe that what you say comes to pass. He said, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. He will do it. When you're really in faith, you can say what God will do. Religious people think this is blasphemous. They think it's terrible. They think, who do you think you are saying what God will do? We're not telling God what to do. He told us what he would do. And we're just bold enough to believe it and say, this is what he's going to do. What? Faith comes by hearing. We heard from him. And now that we've heard from him and know his will, we're going to believe that no matter what it looks like or feels like. We say it. This is what he is doing. He said, he will deliver you into my hand and I'm going to smite you and I'm going to take your head off from you. Is he talking? Come on, can you hear it? According to Jesus, what's going to happen? He's going to have what he said. He said, I'm going to take your head off. And then, he said, I'm going to give the carcasses of the whole host of the Philistines. I ain't stopping with you. (laughs) He said, I'm taking you out now. And then I'm taking out all your brothers and your sisters and your uncles and your cousins. (laughs) And all this assembly is going to know. There's a God in Israel. They're going to know the Lord doesn't save just with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. And he grabbed that sling and he swung it up and he zipped it out. And I think the angel probably reached up and pushed it a little bit. <laughs> and it hit him like a .30-06 bullet. And down he went. And he stood on him and pulled that blade. It probably looked comical. He probably could hardly hold on to the thing. It was big as he was. And he killed that thing. And the rest of the guys saw that, and they started screaming and shouting, and the army attacked. And they defeated that whole army that day. And everything he said came to pass. What came to pass? What he said. Turn over. Have you got just a few minutes more? Turn over to Joshua, the 10th chapter. Joshua, chapter 10. Glory to God. Man, this is just, this is almost mind-boggling here. Joshua chapter 10. Joshua was in a battle. And it was a very serious situation. And they begin to win. But they begin to run out of daylight. And he knew that when it got dark, things were going to change. And... It was such a critical situation, I I guess he thought, you know, what would it be like tomorrow if we lose the advantage today? And Joshua 10 and verse 12. Then spoke Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. This is Joshua 10, 12. And then he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still. Upon Gibeon. And thou moon. In the valley. Of Agilon. Now let's just stop right here. You know what he's talking about. Have you ever seen times. When you could see the sun was still up. And you could see the moon. And you could tell the sun is about to go down. 
Now what about today us saying that a Christian, a believer, man or woman could speak to the sun, stand still. And it would. People think that's preposterous. They think, are you crazy? Besides that, the sun can't stand still. And they try to say this is scientifically incorrect. It can't happen. The sun can't stand still. All he's talking about is from his perspective, it stayed where it was. Now what all it took to make that happen? He didn't know. And we don't know and they don't know. But to say the creator who put the planets in orbit couldn't adjust it for a while. I couldn't press pause. He made it. But now, it's ain't a matter. We know it ain't enough to just somebody come out and jump up and say, Son, be still. Moon, be still. Because most people wouldn't believe that. They're not going to really believe that's going to happen. But notice how it starts off in that verse. What did it say? Then spoke Joshua what? He didn't just go start talking to the son. What did he do? He went to the Lord. What do you think he was telling? He was saying, Lord, I need time. I need time. I'm running out of time on this. And we did this thing just turned and started moving the way we need it to. And I do not need this thing to be over right now. God, you know I need help. I need time. I don't know how I could get time, but I need time. I need a whole nother day right now, and I need it. And he must have heard from the Lord. Come on now, he must have heard from the Lord about We know that's how faith comes. Elsewise, how would it have ever come up in his heart to do this? But he heard something from the Lord when he was talking to him. But then when he left that place of talking to him, everybody in the sight of Israel, they all heard him say this. He's not praying. He's not talking to God. He's not talking to the Father. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the sun and the moon. And he looked up. He said, son, stand still. Stay right where you are. Don't go down. Moon, stay right where you are. I got to have time. This day can't be over yet. This daylight can't be over yet. I've got to have more time to finish this thing that's in front of me. Stay right where you are. Verse 13, come on, read this. It almost shakes the mind. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed where it was until the people had avenged themselves on their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jashur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. About a whole nother day, it stayed right there. Verse 14, And there was no day like it before it, or after it, that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. Why did it happen? God did what Joshua said. Do we have less than what they had under an old covenant, under a worse covenant than ours? Can we not have as much faith as they could have? 
Now, friends, I don't have it in my heart to go out this afternoon and say, sun, stand still. Moon, stand still. i got no reason why I think that that should happen. But, friend, there are things in our lives that we need to be speaking to. There are things that ought to come up in our heart, and we ought to look at it and go, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. You stop right there. So we say, well, I said that and nothing happened. Then you didn't believe it. Simple. Just saying it's not enough. He says, well, no, I believed it, and I said it, and it didn't work. Now, i got a choice here. Jesus said, if you would say it and not doubt, but believe that what you said came to pass, you would have what you said. You said, I did do it, but it didn't have what I said. I can't believe both of those. I can't believe both of those. i got to believe what he said. No, there's a lot of stuff people call faith, but it's just talking. They're wavering inside while they're saying it. It's a confession of convenience. It's a confession of convincing. They're trying to talk themselves into it. They don't believe it yet. They're wavering. Will it happen? Will it not? I hope it does. I don't know if it will. That's not how things work. Just talking and wavering doesn't work. But there is a confession of confidence. There is a confession of faith. It's like that woman with the issue of blood. You remember her? She kept, the Bible said she said. She did what? She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. I will. It'll happen. Now, according to Jesus, if she believes this in her heart, what's going to happen? She's going to have what she said. Did she do it? She pressed through the crowd. She touched his clothes. What happened? She was made whole. Jesus wasn't having a healing meeting. He wasn't laying hands on people. She interrupted him. He stopped. He said, what? She didn't even ask if it was the will of God. She didn't even ask if it was okay that she touched and took a healing. She just pressed on in there and took a healing. And how did she take it? She said. She said, when I touch, I will get it. I will get it when I touch. And Jesus said, if you'll say it and won't doubt but believe what you say comes to pass, you will have what you say. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, glory to God. Anybody in here believe this beside me? Oh, we don't just have faith on the church for nothing. We believe this is the way to live. We believe this is the way to walk. We believe this is the way to overcome every trial, every test, every problem. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I believe your faith has been stirred right now as we spoke. I believe we could speak to some things right now. And even though you might have spoken to them repeatedly before, but nothing happened, it was because you were wavering and you weren't convinced. You were doubting and didn't believe in your heart. But you can say it this time with faith and it can change. It can make a difference. Close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes and let's say it right now. Say it out loud. In the name of Jesus, I speak against everything in our bodies that should not be here. Every infection, every inflammation, every disease, every tumor, every growth, every cancer, I command you, die, dry up, live no more, grow no more, but die, dry up. And be, gone. and be gone in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on now, right now, we're not through. Right now, what? We believe it. We believe it comes to pass. We refuse to entertain any other idea. We refuse to doubt it. We refuse to waver about it. Hallelujah. Close your eyes again. Say it out loud. In the name of Jesus. Every hindrance against my finances. Every hindrance. Every difficulty. Every evil thing. Against my family. Against my people. Against my stuff. I command you. Stop. Stop it. And go. Leave. Be gone from me. In Jesus' name. I am loosed. I am free. I am blessed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Begin to praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we bless you. Oh, Father, we praise you. Oh, Father, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.